Listen in. Thanks for doing just that. Music, music has some sort of magical, maybe mystical thing happening, and I couldn't be more sucked in. I love it. You see, I want to live life better, unless I'm in some sort of funk and all I want to do is wallow. Songs, artists, musicians, lyrics—they help me in all sides of life. They're like lifts in my shoes. I walk a little taller. My shoulders are on my back. Yeah. Bring on life. Bring it completely on. Bring on life. So I'm full of questions, and I listen in. Luckily, or hopefully, I travel with a recorder and open SM58 microphones. You've got questions. I've got more. I'm Frank Jenks. I began listening with a syndicated radio program, interspersing conversation pieces with songs and subject matter. And now I just want to offer this fullness, the greatness, the insight directly from rock stars to you this way. This is my fault. I thought Striper was too Jesusy, so why request an interview? And so time passes, and so does Striper and Michael Sweet's solo career. And then he goes out touring with Boston. Oh, Frank is now paying attention. Then I read his wife passed away of cancer, and it's like, oh wow, how does anyone get through that? Michael was genuine and super friendly, as you will note. We will talk about everything that I just mentioned, including getting remarried. This was recorded over two days, March 21st and 22nd of 2013 via Skype between Boston Mass and Grand Rapids Mish. And I think you can tell the difference between the two days audio-wise. And if you can't, well then, that makes me happy. Listen in. Because I'm only here to elevate. I'm not here to, to bang anybody around too much. Okay, no too, no problem, I, man. I say too much. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I'm used to getting banged around, so it's yeah. not a problem at all. But, you know, it's funny that you, you said I'm used to getting banged around. I, I, I was I was wondering, what is what is the worst thing that you had that banged you around in under the, under the umbrella of Striper? Because, uh, you know, it's kind of like sports radio. Rock bands are sometimes like athletes. They just get beat up out there and... You see it from the from a from a vantage point that's like, whoa, dude! Why would somebody say that? So I, I think I don't know that it's necessarily something specifically someone said. I think it's what's what's done uh, more times, you know, over and over and over again than I can even recall. It, it's crazy, it, it, and what I mean by that is. Uh, you know, there are all these misconceptions about the band, and, and people assume that we're this and we're that. And because of that, because of those assumptions that are false, usually, uh, we get uh, stereotyped and categorized and put in a box that's impossible to break out of. Mm. And and that really sucks. I mean, it, it it's uh, it's just one of, like, for example, we just did Monsters of Rock Cruise. We played with uh, Cinderella, Tesla, Lita Ford, Queensryche. Right. And you know, it, it's it's like this constant feeling of having to prove ourselves. Uh, oh yeah, you're the Christian band. Oh yeah, you guys yeah. do this. Oh ha ha. Yeah yeah, we're coming to check that out. You know, right. you throw Bibles out, right? Yeah, right. we got to see that. Right. You know, there's always some other reason why people need to see us or hear us other than just the music. Yeah. 
well, well what about coming to see us just because you want to hear us? Right, right. <laughs> you know, so it's just all, it, it's almost like we've become in many ways this uh, this gimmick, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And we're, we're not a gimmick. We're, we're a band. We're a rock band. And uh, and hopefully we, we write and perform and, and produce decent rock music. And uh, I would love for that to stand on its own. I, I guess I've been in the music long enough to understand that there's marketing schmarketing going on out there and i just wonder if while you might be true to what you are and what you're doing i just wonder if the people around you sometimes went hey if it sells records and tickets let's let's use the gimmick absolutely and i mean that was played on by our label back in the day often and played on by us i mean you you get into that point like hey this worked so let's do it even bigger next time you know and you fall into that trap but i mean at the end of the day especially coming from me, my perspective, my point of view, my opinion. I want the songs, I want people to remember us first and foremost by the songs, by the music, by the message, not by the yellow and black, not by the hair, not by the makeup, not by the throwing out of Bibles, you know. That's all cool stuff, but man, remember us by the music. I guess at the end of the day, when I put my head on the pillow, I kind of want to think that I put in a good day's work and it was for, for something. I mean, did you get to the end when you're these feelings that we're talking about right now did you get to the end of of some shows or some days or some tours and go really i mean i'm putting my all into this and i'm not feeling the love and i mean the the purposeful sort of love you know from absolutely absolutely go ahead i mean i think the thing is with this band is it's we try not to fall into uh, you know complaining that complaint trap of uh you know oh my gosh we should be doing this or we're not oh you're kidding me we can't fly first class or oh my god we got to leave for four weeks and right. you know all those complaints that come with doing this for 30 years but at the same time we were one of the hardest working bands i think i know every band says this and it gets old, but we we really are one of the hardest working bands in the business, and we bust our butts, and 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 we we work hard, you know. When it comes to rehearsals before a tour, we don't go out and do a day rehearsal and then go tour. We we get together for two weeks, sometimes three weeks, and we work hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing goes for a record, and you want to be, you know, I guess applauded for that work. You want to be right. Uh, you want people to recognize that work, and um, a lot of times we're not. I mean, I, it's 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 a real tough uh, situation for this band and each guy in this band to. We're we're always having to fight for what we're trying to achieve. You know, a little more so than than your typical band. It seems a little easier for some other bands. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm being a wimp by saying that. I don't know, but uh, it's tough. And and that because of that, it's draining. It's exhausting. Uh, always having to defend ourselves. Yeah. You know. Again, back to the point I was making earlier. Like, gosh, can't the music? Can't you just listen to the song? Do you like it or not? Right. You right. know. Forget about all the Christian stuff and. You know, uh, you know, the, what does Isaiah fifty three five mean? And, yeah. and, and 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 you know what I mean? What does the what does the song mean? How do <laughs> yeah? 
yeah. You know, it's just, and, and I think I think we're kind of comparable sometimes to Kiss. Like for example, they're in the same category where people want to talk more about their makeup than their music sometimes. Right. Yeah, but don't you think John Bon Jovi does the same thing sometimes when he puts his head on the pillow and goes, "Okay, are, are people really understanding who I am, or am I just putting out?" something everybody wants to hear. I do think so, that that, that happens to everyone, but m- some bands more more so than others. Uh, you know, and, and look, we're, we're the guys that decided to put on yellow and black stripes head to toe and look like a, a bunch of bumblebees, you know? Yeah. Um, that was our choice. So I knew back then, let me put it this way, I, and I talk about this in the book that I've written and that's going to be coming out soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the things I hate most about Striper, is is the whole yellow and black thing. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's really locked us in to something that I don't know. I wanted to be locked in too, right? Uh, I, you know, because people talk more about that than they do the music. They remember us for that more so than they do the music. Nine times out of ten, when I'm talking to people and they say, "What band are you in?" I say, "Striper." They say, "Hmm, I don't know if I've ever heard of you." Uh, well, you remember Yellow and Black? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yellow and Black. You right. know, it's like that's what we're remembered for. And, you know, it, that's a little depressing to me. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe I'm, again, you know, uh, yeah. maybe I'm, I'm sounding like a baby yeah. or, uh, you know, complaining or whatnot, but I just want people to remember us for the music. That's all. Yeah, I mean, I've interviewed enough artists who've had images out there that didn't didn't uh, coincide with the person that they were. You know, I mean, I, even talking with Alice Cooper, who obviously has a interesting image out there, and he's quite the Christian man. But he he was ta- we were talking about him and Marilyn Manson. He's like, you know, he he understood who he was and stuff. He said, but the great thing about me was I could go out and go bowling whenever I wanted to. Marilyn Manson stuck. He just painted himself in the corner, and he can't go out and go bowling because he's got this thing to maintain. So, but you know, uh, I just you know, if it were my decision, I guess what I'm saying, if we went back in time, and I don't know that this would have been a good thing or a bad thing, but I would, if it was my decision, I right. wouldn't have done the yellow and black. I would have, I would have done a straight ahead image and let the music do the talking. So you you have this second coming record that's out now. You're covering all your quote-unquote hits. Is that what I want to call them? Is that what you say? Yeah, they're, they're pretty much like the, the fan favorites right. okay. or what they are. Fan faves. So is it harder recreating a song, or is it harder to actually you know create the song from scratch? Because I, cause they sound almost precisely the same, right? Yeah, we stuck to the original arrangements, and we did that because we really did this record initially for our publishing company just to retain the rights legal rights to our catalog yeah so they could go after film and tv and so it was important to stick to the original uh, arrangements and and the original versions uh and then as we got into it we realized how how good it was sounding and we or at least we felt mm-hmm. we wanted to offer it to the fans mm-hmm. so we didn't really make this record for the fans mm-hmm. per se um but we decided, hey, let's let's put this out there, and that's when we decided let's put a couple of new songs on it, put sixteen songs out there, and release it, and that's what we did, and and we're very happy we did. But it's cool. I think it's definitely more difficult 
to do a cover or a re-record than it is to record a new song because you are locked in. Like when we made the covering, that was very difficult for me to sing an Iron Maiden song because <laughs> I kept thinking, my God, i got to sound like Bruce Dickinson. Right. And then when I realized I'm never going to sound like this guy, just be you, right. that's when I was able to get it. Yeah. You know? Right. So with the new material, you don't have any of those thoughts. Right. You're just going in there going, all right, let's try this, let's try that. And you're experimenting, and it's fun, and you're not locked into a certain thing. Yeah, yeah. So talk to me about the song Bleeding from the Inside Out. Well, that's a brand new song. It's 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 uh, one that I, I wrote, and um, it's got a little bit more of a classic sound to it. Some people have said that the riff sounds a little bit like a bad company. It's got a bad company vibe. Big influence of mine, bad company, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, we just wanted to, I, I kind of wanted to go in a little bit more of that classic retro kind of vibe with that song. Uh, Blackened is another new song on the record. It's a little more energetic. But what am, what am I getting lyrically from Bleeding from the Inside Out? It's just talking about, you know, we all, and really more so me, struggling with, with myself. Mm -hmm. You know, trying to do it my way. And because of that, not relying on, as a Christian and a man of faith, not relying on my faith and relying on God's lead, so many times I try to do it myself, and that fails many times. And, and, and because I continue to make the same mistakes over and over again, eventually I start bleeding from the inside out. I start kind of withering away. And, uh, you know, it could be so simple. If I just read the Bible, follow what the Bible says, <laughs> follow God's lead, it's easy. It's black and white. It's right there. It's all there for us. But, dude, I think it's pretty easy when you want to make sure somebody's got the water for you on the side of the stage and then water for you when you get off the stage and then water for you in the bus and it all has to be a good temperature. I mean, it's easy to get used to that uh, that lifestyle. It is. It's real easy to get used to that lifestyle. And then it's real easy when you don't have that lifestyle to complain about it. <laughs> uh, I, I had that lifestyle to the to the t 10th degree with Boston when I toured with Boston right. and talk about being pampered. And then I come back to Striper and I'm thinking, oh, my God, this sucks, you know? <laughs> So uh, it was it was crazy, but you know you just got to beat that down constantly and say, look, it, we're blessed, we have two arms and two legs, mm -hmm. and we have our hair, mm -hmm. and and we're still able to go and do this, and we should just count our blessings. And how about the lyrics for Blackened? Where are you going with that? Same same kind of thing. Very similar same very similar message to bleeding from inside out. You know, I don't want my soul to be blackened. I don't want my heart to become blackened mm -hmm. by everything around me because we live in a blackened world. We live in a dark world. Yeah. And uh, you know, I want to I want to retain that light. I want I, I don't want to become a dark soul. I don't want to I don't want the muck to cover me. You know. So would you say that most of the songs? I guess I'm talking early on. I'm talking about I'll say the first go round with with uh, Striper. Were they all were they praise songs mostly? I think most of them, yeah. Some of them, no, but most of them, yeah. Obviously, songs like uh, "Makes Me Want to Sing," "Jesus Makes Me Want to Sing." I, I mean, I mean, it's like a metal worship song, sure. you know. Sure. Um, so yeah, I would say so. And you know, because of that, eventually what happened was we started kind of becoming repetitive uh, and not digging deeper and trying to uh, bring that depth into the lyrics. We've been doing that more so lately with with Reborn, Murder by Pride, mm -hmm. all the new songs. There's a lot more depth to the lyrics, I think, compared to the old lyrics. Yeah, I, I was wondering, as you grew in your faith... I mean, we're talking early to mid-20s, right? Into, 
Well, just through that period of time, did did you grow in faith and yet still write lyrics that maybe didn't grow? Oh, yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. I mean, I, I became a Christian when I was 12, kind of got out of it, walked away from the church yep. uh, until the age of 20, yep. rededicated my life. And then from that age, from that time on, yeah, you, you what happens is when you're in a successful band that sells you know, platinum records or whatever, and you're playing arenas, yep. is you, you fall into that trap of we got to we got to uh, write the next calling on you or the next honestly. Mm-hmm. And it becomes stale and, you know, repetitive and just kind of going through the motions. And I, I've fallen into that trap so many times. But lately, I force myself to climb out of that hole. I won't allow it. So is that why you left the band mainly? Was it artistic or was it being sick of the gimmick and i don't want to overuse that word but you know what i'm saying yeah yeah no there were many reasons why i left the band the main reason was because i was ashamed of what we did in 1990 and 91 Mm. we we went through this period where we we rebelled against the church we rebelled against god and ourselves and we would stand on a stage and tell people you don't need alcohol you don't need drugs and then we would literally five minutes after the show go to the bar and get drunk with everybody right and we were we were the classic definition of hypocrites, <laughs> and um, I I didn't like that. I I I I was immune to it for a while, but then once I woke up and smelled the the coffee, I I said to myself, you know what, this ain't cool, and I'm not going to be a part of this anymore, and I wanted out. And I think the rest of the guys felt the same way. They they were ashamed and 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 felt really bad about it too, but they wanted to continue. Mm. I felt the only way to to kind of wipe the slate was for me to depart. Hmm. So that's what I did. So did did you ever get? And by the way, I have no problem with drinking. I have a problem drinking and driving. I have a problem with you know abuse and all that kind of stuff and alcoholism. But yeah, all yeah. that said, did you ever quote unquote get caught at a bar and somebody would call you out and go, "Dude, you're Christian lead singer. How can you do this?" Well, here's the thing. It, it, again, I don't. I've I've kind of learned a lot and come uh, full circle. In other words, back then we were drinking, but it was the attitude that was going along with it. Mm. We had an fu attitude, sure. And we'd go in and 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 do a bar with a group of people and 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 get drunk just to get drunk because we were we were pissed at the church and right. Uh, but nowadays, I I drink. I mean, mm. I. I just went on the ship, and you know, after we performed, I, I went to the bar and had a drink with my wife, and, and relaxed and chilled, and in front of everybody, hanging out there, taking pictures and whatnot. And right. that's that's not the problem. Mm-hmm. It's 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 what goes along with that. When you become a, a you know belligerent drunk, and you're you're beating people up and <laughs> being a bad example. I mean, that's when it's an issue. Or getting in a car and killing somebody. You know what I mean? I mean. That's different. Yeah. Uh, but back then, during the against the law period, it was it was our attitude. It was it was not who we were. Mm. We were being something other than what we set out to be. So did did you catch yourself, or did somebody call you on the carpet? No, I mean we we kind of caught ourselves. I mean we we were going out. I, I remember there were so many different incidents that happened. That was like a knife going into my heart. I remember going to Minneapolis on a promotional tour with Oz, and he and I were drinking heavily and. Uh, everybody got together afterwards and wanted to go to Solid Gold, which was the biggest strip joint in uh, uh, in the country at the time. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm thinking to myself, Oz and I look at each other and go, hey, yeah, let's go, you know. And I'm, I'm in deep in my heart, I'm thinking, well, we probably shouldn't go, you know. And we went, and, and, and we're there, and I look over, we're in a booth with a bunch of people, and I look over, and there's David Cassidy sitting next to me, and there's Robin Zander from Cheap Trick sitting next to me. Mm-hmm. And David Cassidy looks over, and he says, I thought you guys were a Christian band. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was a knife going in my heart. Because mm. it was, we were a Christian band. <laughs> <laughs> and we weren't acting like a Christian band during that period. We were we were just going the extra mile to rebel against all things Christian at the time, you know? So so why didn't you go two more miles and just decide to record more songs like Two Bodies, if I can if that you know what I mean? Just more right. lovey song, lovey dovey type songs and yeah. and go to that route instead of deciding, well, if we're striper and we're yellow and black, then we're Christian, and that's all there is to it. I think you know we probably could have gone down that road, but for whatever reason, it ended mm-hmm. very quickly. We did the against the law thing, and then I left the band. I think you know, believe this or not, I think God just kind of took His hand off of it and protected us. Mm-hmm. And by my departure, it came to an abrupt stop, mm-hmm. and it was over. Boom, and and I think that's a good thing. But then you continued to go down the solo path, and you signed with a Christian record label. Yeah, I did. And that was a way for me, and I was 100% all about that. And it was a way for me to kind of get back to my roots and put my family, put God first and put my family second. My family was falling apart. Uh, we we almost separated and mm-hmm. almost divorced. Oz eventually did divorce. Tim mm-hmm. eventually divorced. Yeah. My brother lost his fiance. She left him. Mm-hmm. I mean, every all the relationships crumbled. You know. Yeah, that happens a lot in this business. Yeah, well, it happened to us during from that period because we were, we just became this band and these people that we really weren't. You know, and it was it was a terrible situation, and it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. It could have been, you know, we could have done things that were far more, you know, terrible than than what we did. But thank God it came to an end. And and we were all able to take that time away as we went our separate ways and come back together and reform and be stronger and better than we were. So it's really cool how it worked out. So did you guys ever make any money selling records? We made money selling records, but not nearly as much as, as one might think. Yeah. My biggest year back in the 80s, I think I made about uh, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars $500,000. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And that was my biggest year. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. I was never... Real, I, I look at these guys, you know, and that's what's really weird. I, I look at some of these shows, reality shows, and I see some of these guys that sold half the records we sold right. and were drug addicts. And they're, you know, opening up their five car garage and they got a Bentley in one stall and a right. Porsche in another. And, and I'm thinking, uh, this has got to be a prop. <laughs> right. <laughs> this has got to be it. This has got to be a production prop here, man, or a plant, because there's no way. Right. <laughs> but anyway, I, you know, it's there's not as much money as people think in, in this business. I think if you're someone like, uh, it's on the level of Bon Jovi, for example. I mean, obviously, right. there's a lot of money to be made, but 
if you're a band like Striper, um, you just have to be really smart with your money mm-hmm. and invest it wisely, or it's going to run out really fast. Well, even at that time, did you think, well, this is never going to end, and next year it's going to be 750000 and the year after that I'm going to crack seven figures? And- sure, absolutely. I mean, we started out... Uh, we were really foolish w- in terms of how we spent our money. We we would make uh, get a guarantee of fifty thousand a night for a show, and we would spend seventy five thousand dollars to put the show on. Right. Uh, so you know you do that times a hundred. All of a sudden you're in debt. You know um, over your head, and that's what happened to us eventually. And I talk about that in the book. Um, mm-hmm. We kind of lost it all and. Uh, wound up being heavily in debt uh you know we were spending on the first record we spent like seven or eight thousand second record like almost 50 third record a couple hundred uh, fourth record in god we trust like six hundred thousand wow so we just kept spending and limos taking us out to dinner and you know you get you fall into that trap man where hey we're we're rock stars and it's really not about that at all well, maybe if you wouldn't have thrown out so many Bibles, dude, you would have exactly. kept your budget. And that's the problem <laughs> with you guys. Now, see, we threw out probably on a good night a few hundred Bibles. Now we're throwing out about 20 per show. <laughs> and, you know, if I could, all kidding aside, if, if, if I could, man, I'd throw out 200 a night. I, but to me, that's the most important thing about what we do. It really is. Well, you got to have a Bible budget, man. Everybody does, don't well, they? Well, we, we do. We, we have to. And if we don't, we'll lose our shirts, man. <laughs> you know? And do the Bibles actually have like a striper logo on it, or the yellow and black? Yeah, what it was is we used to throw out Bibles in the early days with no uh, striper sticker on them, and we noticed that there were a lot of them being left on the floors of these venues, mm. and we thought this is not good. So we started sticking stickers on them, and then not one Bible has been left since. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> well, I wonder if I can find one on eBay then. You you probably could, but I guess people look at him as like a souvenir. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And did you sign him too? Of course, we sign him all the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I want to dive. I want to go backwards into what I thought there was a general feeling, and then I'll go into some specific songs if you're cool with that. But I, I thought you wrote a lot about loneliness. You know, just like coming from my own personal experience, I I went through a, a period when I was growing up where we moved a lot. And I went to uh, one, two, three, four different elementary schools. Yeah. Uh, one uh, junior high and four different wow. high schools. So we literally moved like almost every year, it wow. seemed. And <clears throat> because of that, I think I was a lonely kid. I certainly mm. was an outsider and a, a loner. And um, I think that's part of the reason why yeah. I write about, as you put it, loneliness in a lot of the lyrics. And, and then also, <clears throat> I mean, I think everybody's lonely to some degree, whether they want to admit it or not, uh, at least at some point in their life. And, you know, the, the ultimate uh, fill for that void is, is, is Christ, at least in my opinion. And that's, that's what we write about. Mm-hmm. That's what we sing about. Why did you move around so much? Parents were... Getting jobs, military? Yeah. No, not military. My dad worked for the railroad. He was a brakeman. Wow. For the Southern Pacific Railroad. And my parents were singers and songwriters, and they were always pursuing music. Uh, my dad did have uh, some success. He had a number one country song 
1978 called I Don't Want to Have to Marry You, and he co-wrote that with Don Imus's brother, Fred Imus. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, and uh, so, I mean, he, I think because of that searching out, trying to seek out uh, his own success in the music business and being, uh, you know, placed from here and there with the railroad, it, it just caused us you know it, it wound up working out where we moved constantly it's crazy and and did you sense a loneliness for him or or your mom i mean if you're i'm not saying if you're a guy on the railroad you're lonely but if you're a singer <laughs> we're, we're all sort of in this weird bubble out there so what would you say i think so him? yeah i think i think so i mean i i've never really sat down and had an in-depth conversation with my dad about his feelings of you know making it or not making it to the degree he wanted to or whatever yeah. but uh <clears throat> i do i do think so i mean my dad was very talented he looked looked like elvis good looking guy uh and started out at a very young age as a teenager pursuing his dreams in music and never really broke out you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i think chasing that dream and not really achieving that level of success that he had envisioned it was was certainly probably a letdown i would think yeah yeah i bet well maybe someday you'll talk to him about it because i'm sure again what you've been through and what he's been through i mean we it's it's so amazing to me how we're all so much the same anyway you know exactly and you know i don't think many times uh, many of us want to admit that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what I hear you. But we are all the same. We're all built the same. We all have the same, uh, you know, uh, emotional letdowns and ups and downs and highs and lows. And I mean, we experience many of the same things, but we just, you know, some of us are more private than others. I, yeah. I tend to be a pretty open book and yeah. um, talk about anything and everything. Well, I, I think maybe that's why... I think that's why the lyrics and, and the music for sure connected with people is because when you come out of the, you know, some people think they're happy living for themselves, <laughs> that kind of stuff. I mean, it's like, wow, is that me? No, wait, that's my friend. No, wait, it's me. You know, I mean, yeah, th those those lyrics, well, well, may not be super poetry, but they're they're right in the heart of the matter, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I mean, our, our lyrics were always incredibly simplified. I mean, they were not deep lyrics as i said uh, earlier and um you know i think a lot of people did relate to those words though and uh, you know somehow some way they they got through and they broke through the hardest of hearts and many people's lives were changed because of it so when i talk to people who say they gave up drugs because of a lyric or hearing a striper song and that they're not pastoring a ten thousand uh you know uh, member congregation that's pretty crazy that's yeah. crazy stuff yeah well i was quoting lyrics from uh, you know what to do you know what to do that's one of the first striper songs that i ever wrote that was written back in 1983 and uh before we even obviously had hit the scene as a band yeah uh it's a real straight ahead rock song i think it exemplifies everything that we are with the harmonies and the the guitar solo and, and just the style of music. Uh, the lyric is real straight ahead. Again, there's nothing nothing to it. It's not anything. It's kind of a no-brainer, you know, <laughs> in terms of what we're talking about. and uh, Very simple, but yet very effective. Well, uh, and it, and it, it, it worked. Well, you know, I guess I always think there's an entry into getting beyond yourself and deciding that you need to turn your life around. And 
honestly, I, I don't care what it takes. I don't care if it's this song, as you say, it's simply put, or if it's a televangelist, or it's a movie that it's a movie scene that they go, "Wow, I guess I better. I guess it's time for me to to get going." Absolutely, and you know, it's what happens. I think, and it's it, more so as each year passes, because there's so many distractions. And life is so much more complicated than it was 25, 30 years ago. Yeah, right. Uh, but we're we're distracted, you know, and, and, and we're taken off course. And so much so to the point that we forget that we need to get our lives in order. Yeah. We forget that we need to stop doing this or start doing that. Mm-hmm. And we put it off. And we say, ah, oh, well, I'll do it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then 10 years pass. And you're saying, oh, I guess I never did that. Right. You know, that's how it works for all of us. Yeah, sure. Hey, the, uh, the other song I wanted to ask you about on that, uh, on that record was uh, You Won't Be Lonely. Uh, is, is, that, is that a friend talking to a friend, or is that you sort of throwing the, the God hat on and singing that way? You know, initially that song started out, to be perfectly honest, as just a love song. Um, it was mm-hmm. a song that was written uh, for, you know, people who you know, loved each other and or love each other and, and wanted to express that. But uh, so, and a lot of the songs worked out that way. I mean, they initially, some of those songs initially weren't written with God in mind or, or the church in mind or faith in mind at all. But once we, uh, you know, rededicated our lives and said, okay, we're going to do this, we're going to devote our band to God, it, it just worked out where they, they transferred over so easily. You know, I wonder why, maybe it's somebody like me who goes, oh, yeah, that's, you know, God's going to take care of you. Because I got to tell you, you know, when I really experience real love and feel it for real on this side of the earth, it's because my wife, girlfriend at the time, just loved me, you know? Right. <laughs> and it's, and I don't, I don't know why somebody always has to go throw God into that song and you'll see that he's really singing, you know, to who, whatever above us, you know, it's, Exactly. I think I think what it is is there's this constant pressure as a Christian artist. And you know, we've always tried to separate ourselves from that term. Yeah. And break that mold and not be put in that box or that category, but we are and we have been and we will continue to be. But I think because of that, especially back in those days, there was always a, a sense of pressure to have to say Jesus 10 times in a song and tell people in interviews, oh, yes, that's right. that song is this, and it, it, it's God. you know. And there's that pressure from the label and from the church and from this person or that person that's like, hey, you're a Christian. You better, you better say the right thing. You better do the right thing. Right. And you know, nowadays, we've kind of broken away from that. And we're a little more free in our thinking and free in our... Uh, the way we express ourselves, so it's it's it feels good. It feels really good, you know. But I agree with you. I mean, there's nothing wrong with writing. I mean, I write songs about you know love, and it has you know just about a relationship. Nothing to do with faith. Nothing to do with with God. Um, and I mean, God is love. But I mean, I'm I'm just saying that there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's but being in a Christian band, people expect you to write every song with God in mind. Well, I I read an interview with Pete Townsend one time, and I was so impressed because he said, you know, 
if I can just put a little mysticism in there, a little spiritualness or whatever the words he used were, then that is what really helps connect the song between me and them or everybody amongst each other, you know, and I thought that guy gets yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And so so whether that was his main mission or not, just inserting a little bit or just allowing it to be uh, interpreted that way would worked. And you know, too, I, I've touched on this in, in many interviews, but there are so many songs over the years that have nothing to do with God, literally in the lyrical sense, mm-hmm. but they are more powerful in a spiritual sense than many Christian songs. Right. Because they're, they're anointed. They move you when you hear them. Well, you know, even when you say the word Christian, I guess I, I, it's, it's funny. I think the hair on the back of my neck always goes up when somebody asks me if, if I'm a Christian because I just sort of, and I always do now say, well, what do you mean by that? Right. <laughs> you know, that's why when you come out as quote unquote striper and you're the Christian heavy metal band, ah! <laughs> I know. Ah. It, it really irks me. And it's like, it's to me, in my opinion, it's so unfair and so unjust. I mean, if if you're going to say, oh, yeah, they're the Christian heavy metal band, then you have to say, you know, uh, Van Halen is the is the bar rock band, and, <laughs> right. and 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 Slayer is the satanic metal band, right. and I mean, you have to categorize every band if you're going to do that. Right. But when you when you write, makes me want to sing. Whether you're doing it for the audience or just because you think it's a great groove and the, and those lyrics work. I mean, you're you're Jesus all the way there, and maybe you were just making sure that all the uh, youth pastors would. <laughs> would be okay that the kids would go to the go to the concerts. <laughs> I would just prefer if they would just stop trying to break everything apart and break everything down. And, and that, I don't think that'll ever happen. I think it's better than it was, but it's still there. And in other words, you know, Striper's a rock band, right? Right. You know, who happens to believe in God, right? But you know, you know, we're basically the same age, and um, when I was growing up, if you didn't have, oh wow, so you're you're tw- you're twenty nine too? That's <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Wow. And I've been wow. 29 for a while. But uh, uh, I, I always thought it was interesting when I was in high school that if you didn't have rock band stickers on your bumper or on your folders, you just weren't cool. So, I mean, right. at that time and now where it feels like kids can dig into rap, country, instrumental. I, I, have, I know kids who just love marching band music and it doesn't matter. You know, it's like food right now. It's like it, you like... You like burgers and you're a vegan, great. Who cares? Let's just go out and have a great life and exactly. have great fun. And it just wasn't that way back in, you know, 80s. I know, I know. Well, you know, it, you do find more of that, uh, in, at least in my opinion, in the Christian marketplace, for lack of a better term. I mean, you, you tend to get more of the uh, stereotypes and the... You know categories and breaking it up into sections and whatnot, and I, I'm not really sure why. I never really understood that. Yeah, um, but hey, <laughs> oh, really, well. you know, at the end of the day, that's what we have to say sometimes, isn't it? But hey, yes, because <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to figure it out, are we? No, um, no. Well, I mean, you wrote together as one and all for one and things like that. I mean, there was still something in you that went, man. If we could all just sort of be in this together. <laughs> and again, whether it is music or whether it's a bigger spiritual thing, you had you had a sense of uh, of of what it would be if we were had sort of a a, a mentality that 
you and me and everyone could make this a better thing, a better place. Exactly. And I think, you know, those songs were written from the 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 view and the the standpoint of of certainly you know in the christian sense in a spiritual sense but at the same time again going back to my early years my early days of moving a lot and kind of being a loner and uh you know not having a lot of friends not to not to break out the violins here or anything but uh you know not having long uh, relationships with with friends and and moving a lot. I I think that 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 played a big part in my my style of writing, um, and that's why I wrote I wrote ballads as well. People used to ask me, "Man, you guys are a metal band, a hard rock band. Why the ballads?" And it's like, well, that was a different side of me, you know, that needed to come out, and I still do to this day. I mean, I write I write ballads, and um, I think it's a it's it's a important side of who Michael Sweet is. You know, and, and back to the idea of, you know, we're all going to find who we are and, and maybe our own spiritual place together. But you, you found God through Jimmy Swaggart. And I got to tell you how many times I've complained and bitched and moaned that televangelists are, are, are not necessarily godly people. But who am I, right? Who am I? Well, I'm, I think what happens... A lot of times, whenever you're in the spotlight and you're given power, nine times out of ten, that power is abused, and it's going to go to your head, and it's going to it's going to eventually, most likely, take control of you if you let it. And I think many times most people let it. And Jimmy was one of those examples. We were one of those examples. I mean, in a, in a different way, but we we did it during the against the law period that I touched on with you, but Jimmy did as well. But and and but the but the tragedy and the travesty with with Jimmy was the fact that he was very judgmental, you know, and he was holding up our records, literally on television, holding up Striper records, saying these guys are wolves in sheep's clothing. Do not support them. They used to come out to our shows, Jimmy Swagger people with bullhorns and they would protest our shows and tell people do not go in don't support this band this went on for years and then we all know what happened to jimmy you know here he is telling people we're we're wolves in sheep's clothing and false prophets and this and that and then you know and he was speaking out against people and specifically on prostitution and this and that and then he wound up getting bit for that you know so it's you just got to be really careful man i think what it's important that tend to yourself you know worry about your own sin Hmm. stop worrying about everybody else's Hmm. well how how did that how'd you walk past that because i don't know i guess there's always been that doubt in my mind to go well, do I really have the answers, or do they have the answers, and I'm just not hearing the right, the right voice inside my heart and inside my head? Well, I I know I don't have the answers, and uh, and I've I've never proclaimed to have the answers, nor has any any other member in the band Striper. But yeah. uh, you know, God has the answers, and man certainly doesn't. And I think so many times we look to men, we look to man for the answers. And you know we follow. We'll, we'll we'll believe anything any man says. You know, if he's if he's powerful enough, and uh, you know, from our presidents, you know, they'll go on TV and tell us they're doing this, and we'll we'll buy it, mm-hmm. hook, line, and sinker, and say, oh yeah, oh yeah. And then two years later, we find out it was it was a lie. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, that's just kind of human nature is, is to, you know, follow the leader, whoever's the most powerful or strong enough leader. But, you know, I've learned through the years to really beat that down. And I don't put my trust in man because I love man. I, I certainly put some faith in, in in man and I have many friends and and I, I and I love them to death but at the same time I don't trust them I I put my trust in God because God doesn't let me down man always lets me down well were, was there ever a time when you were on stage and you were bitching about all that I mean to the crowd where you'd go don't pay attention to the you know the quote unquote Jimmy Swaggerts of the world. You know, I think there have been times. Yeah, I mean, there, it, it all depends upon what I saw throughout the day or experienced throughout the week or whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there were times when I would I would do that. Um, but I don't go on stage and rant and rave. You know, uh, year after year about about the same thing. Um, I, I do like to talk. I, I I'm a clown. I like to go on stage <laughs> and lighten it up and have fun and get people laughing and loosened up that's more my my uh my thing hey so uh i want to i want to talk about your wife kyle are you okay with talking about that absolutely i guess being a i don't know any person not just you not just me but anybody who loses their spouse to an illness that's prolonged i don't know how you can look up at night and go thanks a lot god in, in yeah, and be sincere about it because I, that's what my tone of voice would be. It'd be like you're screwing me here. Yeah, well, that that was, and again, I I really go into this in in my book, but I <clears throat> during the period when when Kyle was sick and and she got sick with cancer, um, yeah, it was it was a dark, the darkest time of our lives, certainly without question, easily, and there were moments when I didn't necessarily share this with her or the world but where I felt like really God had betrayed me yeah. and and that it was just all a joke you know and I remember I was out mowing the lawn one day doing yard work and that was very therapeutic for me and yeah. to go out and do work in the yard and um, and that's the day that Tom Scholes called me mm. And he asked me to come and uh, be a part of this and sing more songs. And he had heard the records, and and this this the floodgates kind of opened up there. And it was that was a really down time for me, and and mm-hmm. just the lowest point. Um, and as silly as it may sound, by Tom calling and those doors opening, and and Kyle really pushing me to do that because I wouldn't have ever done the Boston thing. Mm. Uh, if she hadn't pushed me to do it, she insisted. It was really pretty much her gift to me. Yeah. Uh, by insisting on me taking that opportunity, uh, but anyway, I, I just felt like it was God tapping me on the shoulder, saying, "I, I am still here. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm right here, um, and I know you don't understand what's going on, but I'm, I'm mm. here, and I'm real." And, and I just felt in that moment that, that you know, it started to make more sense to me. Um, and it makes much more sense to me now, uh, and that might sound odd to say. I'm remarried, obviously. Uh, my mm-hmm. wife Lisa mm-hmm. and my wife Kyle is 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 gone, and um, but at the same time, she's she's not here on Earth, but she's she's alive, and 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 mm-hmm. we're all going to see her again. And I know where she is, and and I know she's at peace, and I know she's she's not suffering. I know that's all the cliche things that people say when they're mourning, but you know, I really believe that. 
I know it. I don't. I don't just believe it. I know it, and I don't doubt it for one second. Well, you got to live through it to know it. I, I'm I'm sure of that. Um, but how how did her faith move around during that time? Well, our faith was kind of up and down because it was it was a it was a roller coaster ride of one day being told she was uh, in uh, you know remission, and then the next day being told that it's back with a vengeance and she's got months to live. And then two weeks later being told, hey, here's a new trial. It's working. You're in remission. And then it, it was just on and off, on and off. It was insane. And, and you know, trying to deal with her physical changes from from the nausea to, you know, diarrhea to uh, dietary issues, you, you name it, it was insane. And we couldn't get a grip on anything for two years. Yeah. How'd your kids make it through? <laughs> Well, you know, uh, my daughter, I think it, it kind of held a lot inside on the on the surface, uh, you know, was really strong and, 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 and just somehow, you know, got through and, and, and she was there, obviously, at a young age, living with us and taking care of mom and, and whatnot. And um, right. I was doing what I needed to do. But my son kind of went down a different path where he just wanted to, to run away, you know, mm, wow. and, and didn't, he moved out and, um, you know, just didn't want to, didn't want to be, be a part of, of everything. It was crazy. It was really crazy. I mean, we've talked about loneliness, right? But is that when you feel most alone and not, not from God per se, but even in this world, because I mean, there's a thousand books on parenting advice and, and a thousand books on how you deal with the death of someone close to you and all that. But man, when your kids are struggling that much, I mean, there's nothing. <laughs> my heart right now is sinking into my chest thinking, oh my God, what would I do if my son was, you know, making those choices? And I've still got to tend to my wife here and I've, you know, got to provide. God, dude, I, I'm there for you. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean,. My wife, my my wife and son were incredibly close. Oh, that is a beautiful thing. Really close. And my relationship with my son, you know, I feel we had a good relationship, but you know, I was probably my daughter and myself were closer, and my wife and son were closer, you know, and so they were so close. I think when mom got sick, he just couldn't deal with it, and he just wanted to run to the furthest point of part of the earth and and just and just get away from it all and that's pretty much what he did and i remember being out on tour with boston and begging him to come home mm -hmm. you know because we we kind of we never wanted to admit it but we all knew that the days were were numbered and begging him to come home and spend those those final days with us and he did eventually but uh it was just such a such a brutal time it was just it, it's hard to describe and explain you know did you do the faith thing for a while like put on all the prayer chains and make sure people are praying for and whatever you had to is is you know what i mean by that i mean you just sort of do that and then when you think quote unquote those those prayers aren't being answered at least the way you want them to be absolutely i mean we we did it i did it though as as odd as this might sound i did it more for her yeah well good because you know she 
uh, she really, Kyle, I would see her, you know, her faith deepen and, and broaden when I would tell her that I just, you know, posted this on online and, you know, I got a response from, you know, 169 people or whatever saying they're spreading the word and they're praying for you and this and that. And I would see her literally uh, strengthen and, and, and her energy come alive and, and she would feel better physically. Yeah. So you know, it, it, maybe maybe it was subconscious. Maybe it was really working. I think I think there were times when it was really working. I think in terms of prayer, mm-hmm. and I think there were times when it was just her believing that it was working that was giving her strength. You know, so it was yeah. it was important for me to to make sure that she was being prayed for. You know. So so you think Boston was a, an answer to a prayer and a roundabout sort of way i do i i i don't think i know uh i think god brought us together boston and 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 kyle and i our paths crossed because we we all needed each other brad delp had committed suicide right dom Scholes was was ready to hang up everything and and just was a basket case you know mm-hmm. um and, and and just really broken hearted. Yeah. You know? You no, know, I heard Brad was a super, super soft soul. Super soft soul. I never actually met him, but you know, our paths crossed many times and I almost did. But you know, I know Tom was so broken hearted and then obviously I was broken hearted, Kyle was broken hearted. We were all going through this in, intense, you know, sadness and pain and we were brought together to help each other through it. Mm-hmm. And and we did. <laughs> it's so funny when you think about. I mean, did you buy the first Boston record? Oh God, yeah. I yeah. Bought the bought the first Boston record, and it was one of the biggest influences on me in terms of uh, songwriting and trying to achieve right. a better guitar tone and production and all that stuff. Yeah, of wow. course. And then you get to sit backstage or wherever, right? And in, in backyards, probably and. Talked to him about it, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy. Here I am, you know, playing with, you know, one of my musical, you know, influences on, on such a level. I mean, they'd be right up there in, in my top ten list in terms of influential albums. Sure. That would be on the top ten list. And, and here I am in the band performing, playing these guitar parts and singing these parts. And it's just, it was, it was there were many pinch me moments, you know. So did you talk to him about, you know, I think, I know that he always said that Don't Look Back was never finished, and then the, what, the third record took another 10 years or some ridiculous amount of time. But did you ever talk to him about that sort of stuff and why, I mean, you know, come on, that's, that's the top of the game right there, because they're selling more records than anybody, and they can't put a record out, because, again, this is me talking with people that I know, he can't put the record out because he can't be happy with it, you know? Yeah, we we talked in passing. I mean, we didn't really get into it and sit there for hours and go on and on and on about it. But uh, Tom and I really, this is just my perspective of Tom and my view and from what I know of Tom and what he shared with me. he, he, He put it this way. He doesn't let a lot of people into his world. And, you know, very, very few people have ever come into his world. In in other words, his private world of Mm -hmm. being invited over to his house and having dinner with him and whatnot. Very few people. Okay, you could probably count them on maybe two hands. Wow, wow. And I was one of those people. Mm -hmm. And 
uh, we just really hit it off. And I think the reason why we really hit it off, not only because we were both going through the pain that we were going through and we were, we were there for each other, but we're so much alike in the sense that we are both uh, I- incredible perfectionists uh, to the sense of, you know, maybe I know I'm ADHD and I know I'm OCD. I can't sit here and say that he's ADHD or OCD, but I know that he's an extreme perfectionist. And and I am too, to the, to the point where it, I think sometimes literally drives us crazy because we want, it's never good enough. I, I, the difference between Tom and I, though, is I, I think I know a little clearer or, or understand a little better when to say, okay, good enough is good enough. <laughs> right. You know, we got we to wrap this thing up, you know. And, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, instead of taking 10 years to make a Striper record, we might, we might take a year, you know. Right. My, my book and solo record have been in the works for almost two years now. So, <laughs> But uh, I, we're a lot alike in that sense, and, and I can relate to that because – you, you, I want it. I don't want to release anything unless it's it's perfect. Yeah, it's a matter of a deadline for me. It seems like you know. I mean, even even when we're talking now, it's like, well, we could probably talk until midnight, but we just can't. <laughs> you know, and the, and the fact of the matter is, um, I wonder if the ultra success that that first Boston record had gave him all the power. Right? I mean, well, I would think so. I mean, because he uh, he you know produced it and wrote it and and was kind of in the driver's seat out of the box um so i'm sure that it did uh but you know he's that type of a personality where you know he's just he will sit and work on something i remember there were times when we would rehearse a song one song mm-hmm. for eight hours and and then and then start back on that song again, <laughs> and 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 it wasn't even one of the best songs in the set. And I remember saying, making the comment like politely, saying, "Tom, what do you think about maybe you know, we just cut the song from the set." <laughs> yeah. Right. And Tom Tom says, and you know, I don't think he thought of that, and he said, "You know what? I think I think that's a great idea," and and we did. <laughs> Pro- problem solved. <laughs> problem solved. In, in like two minutes. And you're, and your throat's bleeding. <laughs> R- right, exactly. And and it's you know I I think it's because Tom's such a perfectionist. You know he he strives for perfection and uh, to the point where it can it can kind of you know unfortunately drive drive you insane. Right, but and, art art is so not perfect. So you know where do you the you know what is all that? You know I mean I guess it's coming to a a, a balance inside yourself to go. You know what. This is where I am at this moment, and exactly, and like you said, like that eight hours is gonna, is just going to tear you apart. Really, I mean, it's just going to suck your soul dry. You know, exactly, and, and and you know, and I tend to do that too. I don't I don't think about the whole picture. I just think about, oh my god, you know, right. okay, we've got fourteen songs on this record, and song number fourteen isn't worked out yet. What are we going to do? Right. And then, you know, two weeks later of busting can, someone will say, well, you know, the label only wanted 13 songs. <laughs> right. And I'll, I'll think to myself, oh, my God, yeah. You right. know, I don't think of those things because I'm so tunnel vision. Well, it always sort of makes me laugh, and you talked about it monetarily, but even when it comes to time, you hear about how a band put a record together in their garage and it took them eight days. 
and then three records later, you know, they've got a. It takes them three weeks to mic the drums. Right. <laughs> you know, and I yeah. sort of go, really? Yeah. Well, that's because yeah. I, I have the answers for that. That's because you're 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 always trying to outdo the last record, and you're getting a lot of pressure from the label to do just that. Uh, or in, uh, you know, there are some uh, examples of bands that spend years to make their first record and then weeks to make their... I mean, we're a good example of that. We we spent on In God We Trust, we spent six, seven months producing that record. Now we go and make records in like, you know, uh, less than two months. I mean, we've got a system down. We used to spend $600,000. We did on that album. We make records now for twenty grand. So do you produce the records now? Are you producing the new record? I am. I'm producing all the records, and it, it's not a power trip. I'm not a, uh, I'm not a dictator uh, by no means. Yes, but, yes, you are. Well, okay, maybe maybe <laughs> a little bit. But I, the reason why I produce the records, there's a few reasons. That's because I, I have the experience and, and, and the ears, um, and as long as we have a great engineer, which we do, Danny Bernini, I'm able to produce the record. And and mm-hmm. if we go out and hire a producer nowadays, you know, they want, you know, thirty, forty, fifty grand up front. Yeah. And they want three, four, five points. Yeah. And you know, you just can't pass around that much these days because it isn't there. Yeah. And, you know, we're making great records. I mean, our records, and I, I say this very humbly, but if you listen to the covering, listen to Murder by Pride, and listen to The Second Coming, yep. Yep. they hold their own easily against our $600,000 and $300,000 records. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and then some. So what's the point of having a producer? I mean, if we were to, you know, get an offer from Warner Brothers and they were going to spend $10 million to, to make us, you know, mega stars and they insisted on a producer okay well i'm, I'm gonna say all right but sure <laughs> you right, know right right but right. that's not the that's not the situation right now so yeah i did notice you guys covered uh, peace of mind the boston track on uh on murder by pride so we did and you know that worked out where that believe it or not that's the only song tom has ever performed on as a guest oh he's on that song oh awesome yeah tom's playing on that song with us and that was really quite a feat and a miracle. And um, I'm proud to say that I helped organize that. And, and he, he wound up being a part of it, man. Really cool. You know, what? You know, again, I'm thinking out loud here, but I, I sat down and I talked with Lou Graham from Foreigner who had a major conversion in his life and put out, a, I would say, a gospel record about two or three years ago. Yeah, awesome guy. Love yeah. Lou. We did some shows with yep. him, Boston and, and yep. Lou Graham. Yeah, super nice guy. Just really liked him. But... Um, I'm just amazed at how many bands that I liked when I was growing up had some had significance in not just my musical life, but also later on with how how they moved their life. Like, and I'm thinking about Tom Schultz right now because he was so I don't know if vocals the word because you say he's a private guy, but on the website on the on the latter records he's talking about organizations that he's supporting from PETA to. Um, Right. Probably uh, is it vegan or vegetarian stuff? I can't remember what yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, they're hardcore uh, vegetarians. I mean, yeah. I just love that. You know, I mean, stepping up for what he believes is "quote unquote" a better way to or a better way to make the world. Oh yeah, no, and and they're very faithful in that in their stance uh, when they get behind something. It, it, it's incredible. Um, yeah. Heavy animal right activist, and uh, they're they're really really amazing in that in that sense. Truly. Right, and I and I'm thinking too, like Ronnie James Dio, and I, I met Rick Cool once, and he said because he played with him for a while, and he said 
he couldn't be a, a nicer guy, right? And yet there's this sort of aura of of darkness and evil around the band, and maybe that was probably the same sort of marketing stuff they did with you on the, on the 180 degrees away, right? Exactly. I mean, and I met Ronnie. We did a show with him, Irvine Metals, years ago, and he was. He was the most gentle soul, you know, and just this nice, humble, meek little guy, you know. Right. And uh, you have these ideas in your mind uh, preconceived ideas that oh my gosh you know he's he's the black sabbath guy and you know he must be this it must be that and, and he just was the nicest guy you know right and so do you walk up differently to people like that because of the pants that you had to wear black and yellow you know what i mean during that time because you you know that people have walked up to you with preconceived notions sure i mean it happens and, and then sometimes it doesn't happen Sometimes my preconceived ideas come to uh, come to pass, you know, and I meet someone. It's like, yeah, they're exactly as I (laughs) as I thought, and that happens a lot too. But yeah, I mean, it happens a lot. That's why, you know, it's just so important. You know, don't judge the the old cliche. Don't judge the book by its cover. You know, get meet someone first, get the facts straight, learn who they are before you say anything. So, so Boston comes into your life, and Lisa comes into your life. Again, this is something that is driven by God, yes? Absolutely. And um, Lisa, I met Lisa, I, I got a little flack when I when I met Lisa because it was so sudden and so soon after Kyle's passing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Lisa had known Oz, the guitar player and striper, and uh, she was actually at the funeral. Mm. Uh, and, you know, just a few weeks after the funeral, she left a gift basket, and a few weeks after that, we we went on a date. Mm-hmm. Uh, and eventually started dating, and um, you know we got married just less than a year after Kyle passed. Yeah, and I, I got a lot of heat for that. A lot of really? heat from media oh, people or or family. A lot of heat. A lot of heat from uh, friends. I lost some friends over it. Wow. I lost. I lost some of my really close, personal, deep, close friends, and because they felt that uh, you know it was wrong of me to do that, and. And that's the thing. I don't know what it is. It's just the way we're built, unfortunately. But we tend to judge people yeah. and and not say, okay, I'm not walking in their shoes. Yeah. Heaven forbid if I am. Right. You know. And that's the thing. I, I, I would never judge anybody. I mean, because everyone's different in, in the sense that there is no structure or biblical structure on, okay, you have to wait this long. Or, and I didn't plan it. Right. You know, I met this woman and we fell in love. And you know what? I'm I'm so blessed because of it. Mm-hmm. I'm so blessed because uh, who, God knows where I'd be without her. Well, I just know that my wife and I, you know, in those conversations that we've had, that I I'm going to assume you had them with Kyle to say, well, if something ever happens to you, you better get remarried because I don't want you, you know, being lonely on this earth or whatever the words are. Right. You know, and I mean, did, but did you have that? conversation sincerely with Kyle after she was sick? We did. We did, but we never got into it like some people get into it in terms of actual like details. Yeah. You know, right. Uh, right. the comments were made, of course, and and she always Kyle always uh was very uh, sacrificial in the sense that she she always went the extra mile to make sure everyone else was happy. Mhm. And she wanted everyone to be happy. So through conversations over the years, you know, we we were married, uh, you know, gosh, almost twenty three years. Wow! Yeah. And um, 
you know, through throughout those years, we had many conversations about being happy and what if and if this, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And and I know exactly how she felt. And you know, she's not here. I mean, she's yeah. she's in heaven. And you know, I know that I know that she would want us to to come out of the hole that we were in. You know. Yeah, I think I'm. I just think I'm a guy who has probably said about somebody else in this situation because I didn't know how that's how fast you were remarried. I think I would have said that. I think I would have probably said, "Well, that's pretty fast," you know, with that sort of you know eyes twitching back and forth kind of attitude. And I sure. I just don't think that's fair. And I'm sad. I'm I'm sad that I know that I probably have either said that or have thought that before. And it's like, but again, I don't I don't want to be in your shoes. Please, God, don't ever let me be in your well, shoes. Well, here's here's the thing. I mean, it, it, it isn't fair, but I mean, we all do that. We're, we all we all make these mistakes and have these thoughts. What what's not right is when you realize, uh, you know, Kyle passed in '09 in March of '09. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you're talking about four years ago, and I've been married now for almost three years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, actually, I've been married now for three years. <laughs> Watch it. <laughs> and, and, uh, and when you look at it, that this is real in the sense that we're married, you know, and we're, we're going into our fourth year here. It's like, how can you argue that? Are you going to keep saying, oh, that's not right or that was too soon? And, and I still get comments like that. Right. Right. And, and it's like, wow, Really? Yeah, really? man, you do you not want me to be happy? <laughs> so yeah, right. That 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 to me is what you're. That's the truth right there. But it's so funny because I just watched um, Castaway. I don't know if you ever saw that movie, but yes, at, at the end of the movie. Now we're in spoiler alert land. If anybody cares, but it's like he he comes back after being you know on an island for four plus years, and she's married and with a child right. already has a child, and I just remember going. Why? Why couldn't you wait for him? He waited for I know, you. I know. It's so weird that we're having this conversation right now because, I mean, honestly, I was bummed out at the beginning or at the beginning of the end of that movie. Yep. And it's not, you know, but she, like all of us, you have to move on. Otherwise, my my mother in laws. Um, I never met my father in laws before I was married to my wife, and. Uh, he died when my wife was in her teens, and she never remarried. Yeah, and I swear that she was in mourning for much um, an unhealthy period of time. Yeah. yeah, you know, and that and that's sad for me. But these are the choices she made too, right? So, what do you want to be? Do you want to be sad and lonely for twenty years before you decide? Okay, I'm going to start volunteering and doing a lot of stuff, which she does now, and she's seems more happy than ever. But where do you go? Or do you get married in ten months? I mean, just because you happen to find the right woman at the time i don't know you know right no i i think it's different for everyone and that's i guess that's the point right there you know it's it's not going to be the same for everyone so let's not let's not judge anyone and say hey oh you didn't wait a year or you didn't wait two you you know it's right it's just not that's not the way that's not real life right right man well dude i i appreciate you having a real life and writing about your real life's in and out of songs so and now this new book coming so well man i i i try and i'm i'm thankful i'm thankful to to be alive and to be doing it still 
and uh, to to be able to wake up every morning and, and have the ability to do it, man. I'm really thankful. Right on. Well, thanks for the time, man. I appreciate no it. problem. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate this time and you being so honest and, and forthright. With, Absolutely, man. With and thank you. And uh, it's been a pleasure. And let's do this again, okay? For for sure, okay? Right on, man. Okay, brother. Take care, man. To go through a bunch of life and come through it with hope and some grace, I just truly appreciate people like Michael Sweet. And it's funny how I like to dive into songs usually, right? But honestly, (laughs) how long would we have talked? I have a hunch there'll be another time coming. Thank you, thank you, thank you for reals. I know you're searching. Don't, don't stop. Keep on scouring lyrics and songs and movies and books and anywhere you can find inspiration. Because, and I know I'm still wrestling with this, you are worthy of love and a great life. Give and get. Listen in and share the goodness. I sign off sincerely, comma, Frank Jenks, questioner, interviewer, searcher, hoper. <laughs> <laughs>